Hey, you there? Yes, I made it. How are you doing tonight? I am okay. Okay. Um, well, welcome back to the Year Podcast, everybody. Today we got Jesse. Do you want to go ahead and? Um, yeah. Uh, my name is Jesse Harrison. Um, I live in uh, Vernal, Utah. I am a, I guess, a owner, if you will, or a helper. It's a family uh, farm, and we run the La Pointe Corn Maze and Pumpkin Patch in La Pointe, Utah, on our family farm. And how long have you guys been doing that? Um, this uh, 2021 will be our sixth year. Okay. And what did are you guys like super into Halloween? What uh, what presented that opportunity? Um, farming is we're uh, full time farmers. Um, okay, like that is what we do. Um, I had to take a job uh, to to help out, but we're full time farmers. We farm uh, field corn alfalfa hay and we run cows and how big is that uh corn maze you guys do um i would say it's probably i mean from like the uh the yard area where all the activities including the corn maze and including the pumpkin patch i i would say it's it's easily uh 30 acres 40 30 okay so that's like a pretty decent size i saw pictures but that doesn't really right you know justify when you're there (laughs) yeah the i think the corn maze depending on which because there's generally like four mazes in it total Um, okay it like the the corn area is probably in the neighborhood of about I I would say ten to twelve acres. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is all like usable corn, right? Oh yeah, definitely. We um at the end of the corn maze season, right around December, um we have it combined, and uh we make it um into corn for it. It's the grain that we feed our cows. So okay, are you guys just using it to feed your own cows? Are you able to sell any? Or uh, we sell a little bit uh, to to a local dairy. They're the ones that come and combine it. So um, they we pay them in corn, and then okay. whatever that they don't that they don't take. Sometimes there's a little bit of money that exchanges hands, but it's. It's kind of a barter system. Like we have the corn and they need it. So they come down with equipment and we kind of do some exchanging. Okay. That's cool. The, uh, so the stuff you, when you cut out the maze, is that stuff ready to go? Cause I know harvest time is like right around Halloween, but you're at least doing it a month or month and a half prior to harvest. Correct. Right. Um, so we usually start about the middle of September. Um, okay. And, and the corn maze generally goes right to at least the last weekend right before Halloween or just, just right around that time. Um, okay. So, but we put up all kinds of things in there, some, some signage and some game stations and some ribbon to try to keep people out of the corn. Cause every cob of corn that hits the ground is a cob of corn that doesn't go through the combine. So when the corn okay. is knocked off the stock, that's, we lose money there, but we turn the cows in there, our normal cows and use it as winter feeding for a while because they'll eat the corn stalks. Too. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's like a hundred percent like they're in there eating the corn and so they're, you know, they're they're pooping in there. And so that's kind of like uh fertilizer. So it just kind of all works out in the in the in the long run. 
And the the stuff that you cut out, like the pads that you cut out for the maze, do you do you just sell that for like like Halloween decoration or? Well, when we first started, for the first three years, we planted all of the corn, and then we cut it into the shape. So we were actually wasting a lot of corn and like corn seeds not you know you think it's cheap but when you have to plant that much it's really not that cheap so we were wasting acres and acres of planted good corn um because you cut it right about the time that it's knee high Okay. okay right around the middle of july is when we start cutting the shape into it so then we went with a different way and now we plant it in the shape of the maze um either way it's done by gps okay yeah that answered my next question how do you guys come up with those maps like how do you make the maze is it well we (laughs) we imagine a shape or what we want it to look like and there are we have a company that helps us that has those computer programs um I'm sure that we've got some family members that might be able to create something like that, but there, there are uh, people that are in the business of helping you with, with a business like this. Does that make sense? Okay. So we, yeah, we go to them and tell them kind of what we want and they figure it out. And then we can look at it and go, we want to make these changes and then they make it happen. And then when you say you plant it and you sort of cut out the maze, like you don't plant where the maze is going to be uh-huh. and you're using GPS, is that like GPS by hand or is, are there machines? Oh, that it's, yeah. Program? <laughs> no, great question. So before we plant or, or have them come out, we measure where we, how, how much so that they have like proximity like this is where the edge of the corn we want it to be planted this is like how far north south east and west where this is the middle and then we give them that information and they do it with their computer it's it's really kind of neat (laughs) yeah no it sounds like i mean i could i i guess in the older days when they do those corn mazes they just sort of like make a ma- I mean they wouldn't even have drones or anything I mean I, it would seem I, you'd have to have like a high point to kind of see what you're doing I would imagine I'm not unless they measured it all out and I don't know yeah I'm not entirely sure how but I know that basically once GPS really became a thing um that's kind of how certain things were figured out they also would ribbon and tie off string stuff like that it was it was pretty time consuming but i think that these have only been around for maybe 30 years at best oh really yeah yeah oh i thought this was like a super old tradition it might be but like official business you know come to our corn maze and let's like make money off of it as like an event we're talking probably 30 years i would say and I, okay. I think the original one might have been in Idaho. I'm not really sure. Okay. And then do you guys, have, I mean, I'm not really, I know where Vernal is. That's like a, like there's a lot of gas fracking up there, correct? Um, it's, it's definitely an oil field run area. Um, What's the population up there? What was that? What's the population? population? Yeah. Um, there's, there's about 32,000 people in the Vernal area. Okay, so it's fairly big. Like, bigger it's, than price would be. Yeah, roughly. Um, and then you've got... So, I mean, the whole... What they call the Uinta Basin is where we are. And the Uinta Basin consists of basically everything from a little area called Fruitland all the way to probably the Utah-Colorado border. Okay. And then... Oh, keep going. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. So, Vernal is approximately 30 miles from the Utah-Colorado border to the east. 
Uh-huh. And then the point is about 20 miles uh, west of, of Vernal. It's right between Roosevelt and Vernal. It's kind of offset. And I think the population there is about maybe a thousand people, roughly. It's a very tiny little township. Do you guys count the uh, like visitors that come through or like how many people go through the corn maze? How do, how do you do that? Do you sell tickets or... How do you stop people from like ripping you off and going through that main <laughs> for free? Um, well, we've used wristbands and stamps, and I'm sure there's been one or two gate runners yeah. in our time. But, you know, I would have to say that honestly, um, we live in a pretty good community. There's not a lot of people that are, you know, they, we are set up where we can kind of see who's parking and comes in the gate and myself and family members that that run it we you know we have a pretty good eye out um to notice people and their behavior and things like that but honestly we live in a really good community we don't really see a lot of that i would say that maybe at very best and this might be generous but maybe between eight to 10,000 people at, at very oh. best. And so I'm not really sure this year how COVID, it didn't seem like that many people didn't come. It seemed like we had pretty much the same people. Well, yeah, that was another question I had. Cause I'll, you know, I'm up here in Salt Lake County, but uh, I'll have to go down to like Peyton area every once in a while. And it seems like just the response to COVID is a lot different down there. I mean, you got like half the people walking around without masks and stuff. Is it like that up in Vernal? Yeah, you'll find in a rural area. I don't, I don't know if um, it's something to do with the, the rural thing, but we're just, we kind of do what we want. I don't know. Like, yeah. we, you know, it's just... <laughs> It just like, uh, how do I want to say it? Like, we're just not, those things don't bother us. We're, I don't know. It's, God, what do I want to say? I don't really, we basically well, just, yeah, really I mean, we're, we're busy living our best life and farming and working. We don't have time to be worried about that. We do have people that, you know, are concerned, but we're kind of like, you know, you do you, boo. You know, if you want to wear a mask and, you know, whatever. Awesome. We're not going to stop you. We're not going to talk smack about it, but we're not going to require it, you know? And, yeah, you know, if that, you're not wearing cool. a mask, we, do, we don't get a lot of people that are rude or what about, whatever about it. Yeah, no. So, I mean, you don't got a lot of kids dressed up in costumes wearing medical masks over their costume. <laughs> You know, the one thing I can say, which which was bizarre this year, I was a little surprised. One of our biggest events weekends that we have is during the the UEA, the Utah Education Association break, that fall break. Uh-huh. Every year on that Saturday, uh, the very first year we didn't do it, but every year after, so for the last four, we've done uh, what we call the princesses and superheroes uh, dress up party where we encourage everyone, whether you're tiny to 90 to dress up, to come in your costume. Uh-huh. And we have, uh, like people, characters come that are superheroes and characters come that are dressed as Disney princesses. And, um, it's great, but this year, and we still had probably the same turnout of people, but nobody was really dressed up and I was kind of sad. <laughs> like, I, seriously, there might've been a dozen people all day that were dressed up and I don't know why. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. I just, if you're still getting the same numbers, that's good. Cause I went, uh, my wife and I took the kids trick or treating this year and it was dead. <laughs> I mean, there was no, doubt. it was crazy. It was pretty the it was pretty much the same I think up here. There was a lot of more trunk or treats. Yeah. Uh put on. Um 
but I always, you know, I think it's a good time because the kids are all out of school and it gives them a couple of weeks, you know, it kind of, my thought was it's kind of helping parents out, you know, so that your kid's not undecided what they want to be five minutes before Halloween yeah. and, you know, gets them excited about Halloween and everyone wants to show off their costume, you know, and so it's always been a fun event and I was really sad that it didn't, I mean, you know, the attendance was good but i didn't see those costumes and it was really it was really sad yeah i don't know this has been kind of a crazy crazy year hopefully this one coming up um gonna be a little better when do you have you guys already done your corn maze like have you already planted for it Oh, no, 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 no. You can't plant too now. If if it's too cold and wet, the corn will rot in the ground. Okay. So we generally plant like the, let's see. Pumpkins were, were definitely trying to plant around the beginning of May. And so I think between about the beginning of May to the 15th of May is when we're trying to get pumpkins and corn in the ground. Okay. And then um, how, how long does that typically take you to set that up? I'm so sorry. I didn't hear what you said. How long does it typically take you to set up the, just the corn maze itself, like to plant all of that? Um, well, when they, when they come and plant, it's like a day or two. Okay. Um, usually like a day to just get the corn planted. And then the pumpkins, it really just depends on um, how much help we have and if we run out of seed and have to do seed. Because we, with the pumpkin part, um, we lay down this plastic that helps um, keep the ground moist. Okay. Um, so, you know how, like, almost like a weed barrier plastic. Yeah, I've seen that before. But at the, yeah, so we put this down and what it does is it just keeps the ground moist because especially where we are, um, we use our farm, we use a lot of what they call flood irrigating. So basically we just run water and soak the ground to where, like, if you were to walk on it, you'd be knee to hip deep in the mud. Okay. And then it just dries out. You just leave it alone and it just dries out. And that's how we water. And so um, to make sure that the ground is always has a little bit of moisture in it and the moisture lasts longer, we do that. And then, of course, that helps with all of the weeding that has to go on. Once the broad, the huge leaves of the pumpkin really start coming out, you can kind of slow down on your weeding. But the weeds will choke out the pumpkin plants. So we don't do, we, we do that, but with the corn, um, we plant roundup ready corn okay. is what they call it. So when the corn is planted and it starts to come up, oh, I don't know, four or five inches, uh -huh. um, then you can spray like roundup on it and it won't kill the corn, but it'll kill all the other weeds. I gotcha. And like for your, your corn maze, have you ever had anybody get lost in it? Has that ever been um, a problem? We had this family that came year before last and they came close to dark almost when we were closed and they got lost in it. And we found them and then they came back the next night and their kids, they got separated from their kids and their kids came out and the parents were lost in there, but the kids were okay. <laughs> so we had to go back in looking for the parents, but it's never, you know, critical. We've never, I think we had one child kind of lost in there once, but we have a pretty good system and we have a bridge that's part of our maze. So what we have like a maze worker will stand on the bridge and you can kind of see it's almost like a tower okay. so you can kind of see and then we also have like so people can walk in with like a flag that's on a piece of pvc that uh so you can see where people are in the maze okay you know and one of the deals is if you're in there and you don't know where you are you just start waving that thing like mayday mayday and somebody will find you and help you okay so 
Well, uh, we got to take the first break and I'll send you another link. I got a couple more questions about the corn maze and then I'd like to get into some pumpkins. So I, sure. will, I will send you that link here in a second. Okay, so. Hey, you back? Yes, I'm back. Okay, cool. Um, so how many people does it take to run that on a daily basis and what are your hours like? Um, okay, so it kind of is dependent, I guess, because um, we have activities for people to come and do. Okay. So we're generally open every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, even though our community is fairly LDS, um, you know, inspired, we choose to be open on Sunday from noon to six because there's not a lot of activities to do out here that are open on Sunday. Yeah. And with a lot of oil field workers, this is often the only day they have to do activities. And so we didn't know if that was a good idea or not, but it actually has turned out um, pretty good. So Sundays are noon to six. Saturdays are noon to 9 p.m. Fridays are, um, I think, 5 to 9 um, and then we started doing like a family night on, uh, just a few select Mondays, okay. which are like five, five to nine. And we kind of put that on our calendar. We post a schedule on our website and on our Facebook page. And, um, then there are certain days that we chose to be open, like during that fall break, uh, we're out here it always includes it's wednesday thursday and friday we choose to be open um those days from noon to nine because we have a lot of kids that come out their parents just they drop them off and they're like here's a hundred bucks <laughs> or 40 bucks or whatever just like i'll pick you up at nine <laughs> so but as far as running it um we have a concession stand um, so that takes anywhere from some two to four people, just depending on the volume of who's who, how many people are in the park. And then we have an admission person and we have like what we call a snack shack where there's just candy and junk and stuff. And then we have um, some pony rides and a petting zoo. And so we have um, someone in the petting zoo because, you know, People think that uh, these petting zoo animals are like uh, rubber or something. And sometimes they're not very nice to them. So we, we have to have someone in there to make sure that uh, people are safe and our animals are safe. Um, and then someone with the pony rides to make sure that the ponies are behaving and kids can get help on and off. Um, and then we have our, it's like a barrel train. So, um, just like some 55 gallon drum barrels that are cut out and we towed around with, with a little lawnmower tractor that we built to look kind of like a That's train. That's cool. And <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the standard corn maze ride, yeah. you know? So, <laughs> so we have to have someone to drive that. Um, and then we have like this little zip line for kids and, um, we started having an attendant there because it started turning into some kind of gladiator. <laughs> like, like people were people's kids, you know, they just, I don't know. They're having way too much fun. So just to kind of slow that down, we had to get someone over there. Um, and then we have um, the person that takes people up on the hayride to the pumpkins. They drive the tractor and they help people if they have a big pumpkin or they need it cut because we not all the pumpkins are cut off the vine okay so um so that's generally kind of the consensus there and then there's guaranteed there's myself and other family members that we may not necessarily be on an assigned detail but we're kind of there for chaos control and you know to put out fires and you know, give people breaks and there's always unhappy people or lost people or something breaks and we have to fix it. Um, 
my uh, Pete, uh, he is kind of the captain of the pumpkin cannon. So that's kind of his thing. Pumpkin cannon. You know, he makes sure that. <laughs> yeah. We have a, a cannon that shoots pumpkins. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So Do you... people can buy a pumpkin and, and shoot the pumpkin. That's cool. The uh, How many pumpkins are you guys left with at the end of the year? Do you typically sell um, most of them? Or what do you do with them after Halloween? Well, that is an awesome question because cows love pumpkins. Oh, okay. so when we when we turn the cows out to eat the corn stalks, they eat the pumpkins too. So do when the when the pumpkin seeds run through the cow, does that uh do you have pumpkins growing where they shouldn't be growing? Like I know you spray with Roundup in the corn, but do you get like pumpkins starting to grow with the corn? Sometimes we call them volunteer pumpkins volunteer plants and if they're in a place where we can we catch them and notice them and whatever then we'll dig them up and plant them in a better spot okay um but generally it's by the time that they're noticed in a in a spot um that we've already sprayed them or ran them over you know so it's kind of just dependent so we have the corn maze and then up at the corner is the pumpkin patch. But then across the street, we own that property too. And we have about an 11 acre garden where we grow a bunch of other produce and stuff that we sell. Okay. Squashes, winter squash. But we always have another two acres or so of just pumpkins because we don't ever want to run out. And so we have the pumpkin patch and we do with our event, but we also supply some of the local grocery stores and um garden centers with pumpkins okay so yeah i remember the first year we moved to utah i went to uh ream and they they had these huge pumpkins like i've never seen pumpkins that big at a grocery store and they were selling them for like 13 cents a pound and i have never seen that again since so well some of the pumpkins that i've planted and some of the ones um, I had to hire a special a special guy um, the one year I grew these giant pumpkins because they were like 200-pound pumpkins. Uh-huh. And he could deadlift them into the tractor, and I had to, like, roll them across two acres to get them over there. So, But that, that was really fun, and we just we just sold them, you know, 20, to, 20 bucks. You know, oh, cool. if you can pick it up, you can have it. Um, last year I tried someone that I have met is a, um, competitive pumpkin grower Okay. and he has given me seeds. And last year I tried to grow three of these giant pumpkins that are the size of like a VW bug. Yeah. Okay. We're talking like thousand or 3000 pound pumpkins. Um, it didn't work out because the plant, the the place I planted them was not in the pumpkin patch because I wanted to have more control. Yeah. Because they we do the each other, right? Well, not that. It's more because we do the flood irrigating. My biggest concern was that they're going to get heavy and sink into the ground and rot. I got you. And so I planted them um, in a different place on the farm. Um but there was too much nitrogen in the ground. It had probably like 25, 30 years ago had been where they kept sheep. And, you know, I worked the ground and I worked some other stuff into it and I thought it was good, but it had too much nitrogen in it. And so I didn't get any female blossoms. So I only Uh had, I had three plants, but they all had male blossoms on them. So I had pretty flowers and big plants, but no pumpkins because only the female plant comes with the the fruit on it. So So, has that guy told you the, the guy that's grown them competitively, has he given you any secrets you're willing to share on the show? Oh yeah. That's one of big pumpkins for 15 years now. And I get small pumpkins every time yeah his 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 name is ralph lob he took like second or third place down there at corn bellies and then he took like second i think it was third place at corn bellies and second place at a place in idaho 
but he, um, that, that's how I knew I was like, why aren't I getting pumpkins? Why aren't I getting pumpkins? And he came, I took pictures of them and he was the one that explained to me this science. Like you go through science class and you think, you know, you know, like I have dirt, I have water, I have fertilizer, like what's happening. And the problem is, is I had too much nitrogen and not enough potassium. Mm -hmm. And he, he explained that to me, but part of his secret is that, and that's why I planted it where I planted it and not up at the regular corn uh, or the pumpkin patch, because he said it's so heavy, it might rot. Yeah. So, um, he had said something that they do, um, when it gets cold, like we're, we're talking, we have like three or four or five acres of pumpkins, so we can't baby them like he does. Yeah. But like on a cold night, he'll go out there with a blanket and cover the, he'll cover up his pumpkins, okay. you know, and, and like, like they're like an animal and, and love them, you know? And, um, part of the secret is, um, he likes to lay something when the fruit starts to get good size, like basketball size. Um, he, you know, you gotta be careful cause you don't want it to break off the stem, but he puts under there like almost like trampoline netting. Okay. To kind of make sure that, um, I can't remember what I said, but it like just helps the shape and it helps that it doesn't just sink into the ground so much. Okay. Um, so that's, that's one of them. And then he's like every day, you know, out there watering and checking and you have to trim off. You basically have to, a pumpkin plant's going to have like, I don't know, four or five blossoms on it with fruit. And you have to pick which one you want and you have to take off all the other blossoms and fruit. Yeah, and so you only have that every year. One on there. But a huge part is, is that the seeds he's given me, because, you know, they breed pumpkins and the seeds he's given me there, he, they have a card. They're like, this was the dad plant and this was the <laughs> mom plant. I'm, I'm not kidding you. And like, it's, these seeds are like probably the size of uh, a quarter or bigger. Like sometimes they're bigger than a quarter, 50 cent okay. piece sometimes. So the actual and, seed is bigger. For the bigger yeah, pumpkin. Because, right. So, um, like, I'll send you some. Send me your address. I'll mail you some. Okay, but cool. Yeah, that'd he, be awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of it. You got to, you have to have the right, it's like breeding dogs or cats or horses. You got to have the right bloodline of, uh, of the size <laughs> that you want. Um, and so... This year, I'm going to try, I'm going to make sure my ground is good. I'm going to use a different area of ground. And then he has um, a special harness that you put on the pumpkin so it can be lifted up by a tractor onto a flatbed trailer. Okay. But, um, I only want these big pumpkins so people can see them. I want, I want one or two to just paint and look cool, but yeah. um, you can carve them. And they're in, you have to use like a chainsaw or something like to carve them. You have to be, they're big, they're thick. We're talking like a foot thick yeah. of the flesh of yeah. the pumpkin. They, um, like if, if you had a pumpkin that size, how much would you go about selling something like that for? Okay. So when they do these big competitions, it's by the pound and then businesses go and they bid. And they pay by the pound and they do things like that. I know that there's a bid and um, then there's a, you know, the going price of the pumpkin. And then some of these companies do what they call just a pumpkin drop. They buy a pumpkin just for fun so they can lift it up by a crane and drop it. Okay. I've seen, I've seen people do, uh, you know, the pumpkin chunkins big, but I've seen people make actual boats out of them. And then they drive them around in ponds and do like bumper boat type thing. I haven't seen that. My thought was that's a thousand pounds of cow feed. Yeah. Well, if you're <laughs> you going to drop it, right? Just get the cows yeah. over there quick. Yep. And um, we raise other animals too, you know, sheep and pigs and whatever. And so anything that's on the farm that's available produce, the pigs will eat or the sheep will eat or the cows will eat or like our ponies, we grow watermelon. And watermelon is their chocolate. 
that's what they love is the, the watermelon. Okay, cool. So it's the petting zoo, like all your animals. Um. Yeah. There. Well, last year we borrowed we borrowed a miniature alpaca from one of our our workers. He's uh, one of our kids' dear friends, and he had this baby miniature alpaca named Arlo that we borrowed uh, just for fun. Um, but we have some, uh, ponies and some of the ponies are too small to really be ridden. So they're there to pet. And then we have goats and rabbits and we have a pot bellied pig, but we always keep like a regular size pig. Um, cause you know, who can resist a baby pig? Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, we had Arlo and we had a lamb in there. Um, and, I was able to talk the family into buying miniature cows. And if we breed them at the right time, uh, which we bred them, I think we bred them in December so that they'll have a calf right around corn maze time. So we'll have a baby miniature cow. How big would that be? I've never seen a miniature cow. Um, So the miniature cows that we have are about the size of a pony. Like a like a okay. decent sized pony, and so but their their babies are pretty little, so okay. and they're they're curlier and they're just they, you know because they're a, a miniature so that they have like more dwarfed features about them. You. So, but they're you know they're just like a regular cow. They're just a small version. So does because the the petting zoo is more of just like. Like, you're not drawing a lot of people in with the petting zoo, right? That's more of, like, a just to um, add to the thing. Would it be worth, like, trying to get exotic animals, like a zebra? I know that's probably harder in Utah, but... um, So, to be honest, the petting zoo is actually a pretty big draw. Because we have a lot of people that want to come, but they don't actually want to go through the maze. Okay. Like a lot of moms with little kids, they want to come because they're the barrel train and the ponies. And then there's, there's the standard corn pit, which is basically a sandbox, but it's corn. Okay. And um, yeah, we used to have that at the fair down in California. How, how does that, how do you clean that stuff? You got to like boil it or. Oh no, dude. It's, it's germs away. you know use at your own risk kind of thing you know um but they they have a good time i don't know you got corn in your laundry for days but um a lot of moms bring their kids uh little kids down and they just stay for hours and hours playing on all the the little activities and doing all the things in the petting zoo, you would be surprised how many people out here still haven't ever been up close to a horse or a cow or a goat or a pig. Yeah. And little kids, little kids are nuts about it. Um, yeah. The petting zoo is actually a pretty good draw just because it's, it's something for the families to come and do with little kids. We have a lot of return. Like we see like, seriously, I can easily know the faces of like 20 moms that I know their faces from the past four years that just come to bring their kid like they're going to the park. Yeah. Well, so, no, my kids, that corn play area sandbox thing you're talking about, my kids loved that when they were little. Oh, yeah. It was hard to get them out of that. Oh, for sure. Um, do you do any of the inflatables or like the big slides or any of that? Um, so yeah, we do have a bounce house and we're working on, uh, doing, we, we've got some other things that we want to do. We're still relatively new and there's only so much that we can put back into the business because we're a working farm and there's so much equipment and so much. This idea eventually is supposed to be the retirement plan for some farm family members because, you know, when you're a full-time farmer your whole life. Not a lot of 401k happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know the feeling. So. The uh, Yeah, no, that's cool. Do you guys do a lot of other, like, is there anything for spring or? So we've had some thoughts um, of doing like maybe because um, the trails are there even after 
the corn's been combined. And a lot of times the corn's combined the beginning of December. So if it's really cold, we've been toying with the idea of using the trail of what's left after the combine and making like an ice maze. Okay. Um, and using the field that's adjacent to it there where we shoot the pumpkin cannon and making uh, like, you know, like a tubing thing or that we're we're looking at trying to use the that area of land with all those things for other activities but there's a lot of time and and money that goes into that that our farm just doesn't you know it's you got to make sure that if if you're going to do it you've got the money to back it up and that you're going to have um you know the the visitors because if you do something and the people doesn't you know they don't come then that's it's kind of hard, but we've been looking at other options and stuff. Cause we have so many ponies. We're kind of looking at maybe doing some pony rides for birthday parties or, you know, other things like that. So, okay. Well, we're at the 20 minute mark again. So I'll send you one more link and then, uh, then we'll go from there. Sounds good. Thank you. Hey, you back? I'm back. So do you do you guys do any type of uh, like square pumpkins or anything like that? Um. So no, we haven't. We haven't. It's been on the. We sh you know the we should try this kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> I know that we've planted a lot of our winter squash. They're edible winter squash. It's also core we plant a lot of that up in the court or the pumpkin patch too because a lot of people want to put stuff on their doorstep for fall yeah so we we will sell corn stalks to people and the winter squash but we generally plant from the little baby pumpkins to every size white ones the warty ones um we tried planting some gourds this year people mm -hmm. it's it's amazing people don't know what gourds are yeah <clears throat> is that more of a Thanksgiving buy? And are you guys selling that stuff? Like, are you still open after Halloween for like the Thanksgiving table decoration stuff? Or is that mainly to like grocery stores and stuff? Um, yeah, generally we're, we're just selling to, to the grocery stores. I mean, if like a neighbor comes up and they're like, Hey, I want to buy this then, you know, okay. But generally by the end of the corn maze, we've wrapped up. It's too cold yeah. um, for stuff. So it, we're pretty much wrapped up with everything by the 1st of November. And then it's, we spend weeks just slowly cleaning up the corn maze and all of the activities. We probably start about two to three weeks before the opening of the corn maze getting everything together and and rebuilding or re you know setting up and stuff like that so um the the guy that's doing the like big competitive pumpkin growing is that is that like a local thing you guys have up there is there a lot of people that are really into like pumpkins or do you guys have a pumpkin chunking contest mm -hmm. is vernal like especially better for growing pumpkins or because i know like indiana is like the hub right that's it's that's a big deal i hadn't ever heard of it before before i met ralph mm -hmm. and we have out here <clears throat> excuse me we have what we call the jensen pumpkin festival and it happens right about the the weekend before Halloween, generally. Okay. Um, and it's it's a charity thing. So the only thing that you really have to pay for while you're there is maybe if you get food, um, entry is free. There's little activities to do that are free. Um, but you got to pay to park. <laughs> okay. Um, but there's lots of pumpkin carving and painting and selling and uh, pumpkin size contests, things like that there. And that's just about 15, maybe 10 miles to the east of Vernal on the way to Colorado. Okay. Is that anything and, that you guys plan on doing in like a future project? 
Um, there we're always looking at things to draw more people in. Um, so that's something that that has been tossed around, but hasn't ever been locked down or nailed down. Okay. So I just wanted to see if I could do it to grow one. Like I just, that's another reason why I didn't do anything down by the corn maze because if I failed, no one saw. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so now I have a little bit more of an idea. Um, I'm going to try again. Yeah, no, like I said, I've been trying probably around 15 years. I've, I've always thought, you know, I, if I could grow a couple of them, I'd keep one and then maybe sell one or two. And that would totally fund Halloween, you know, <laughs> but oh, yeah. um, I mean, that, that'd be a pretty cool. Th it's the only thing I really grow. I grow a little bit of um, decoration corn, like the, the darker stuff. Um, but yeah, oh. I don't, don't really grow anything else. Oh, like the Indian corn or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have this <clears throat> idea this year that we want to line the front. Um, then we want to line the front of the maze with the Indian corn just to make it look pretty. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to work out, but we're going to try. <laughs> Is that what do they use that for? It's solely for decoration, right? It's or do they literally for just food? for decoration? Okay. So can animals eat that? Or is that is that like a GMO corn? Honestly, I don't know. I think I imagine animals could eat it. It's it's not um I don't Cost think effective. that it, I mean if you were if you were starving to death, I'm sure that you know, zombie apocalypse, I'd probably eat some decorative <laughs> Indian corn but I don't think that it's something that that people would normally eat so um, we do little we have like a straw bale maze where we build a maze out of the giant straw bales because we when we bale hay um we also bale straw um okay and we bale it in those big three by four 1200 pound bales uh-huh um and we build a big maze out of that too so people can kind of go in it looks like a fort that's cool and then um so we did have the bounce house there's we're working on some other inflatable opportunities but the wind gets pretty bad at a certain time of the day Sometimes, uh, no, I don't really like that. Um, we do one of our mazes is like a haunted maze. We're still working on that. Sometimes it's really good, and sometimes it's not. It just depends on the night and what kids we get there to volunteer for. But yeah, it only takes about seven or eight minutes to go through, and it only costs like an extra two bucks. So, yeah, the ha haunted houses would be cool. I'm talking with somebody that does a pretty big haunted house hoping to get them on too. Um, I think they're in like Michigan or something. Okay. And that's, that's something that's really crazy is, you know, I'm, I'm from Southern California. So whenever you had a pumpkin patch down there, there was never any corn mazes. It was always just like carnival ride. Oh yeah. And they would typically like, rent a lot on the corner of an intersection bring all the pumpkins and hay and corn in set up the carnival and then like i i have no idea where they grew them probably grew all the pumpkins up here but it's a lot warmer you know oh yeah once you start getting uh up north here that's colder and colder uh i noticed you know those christmas tree lots they don't do so well up here as they do down south right well but, part of it is because if you live especially out where we live you can go get a christmas tree permit and just go cut your own okay so um like basically the day just before thanksgiving they go okay tree permits let me just go down you pay like 20 or 25 dollars and you can go up on the mountain and pick whatever tree you want 
Is that only in Vernal or is that all a Utah? Um, there's a lot of places. If you just go on to the, um, oh gosh, what are they called? Department of Natural Resources. Okay. And look up uh, Christmas tree permits. It'll tell you where and how much. Because each county, I think, or each forestry, it might be a little bit different. I don't think you'd ever pay more than 50 bucks tops. Yeah. How how long have you guys been farming? Has your family been farming? Um, Pete Harrison is the um, owner of the farm, and he um, is... I think I want to say like a fourth generation farmer. Okay. His dad I was a farmer. Uh, and, and so he's one, he's got six sons. So I'm sure if one of these boys is going to take it over. <laughs> someday, okay. ho Hopefully. And then the other five, uh, just got to go out and find something to do. Huh? Well, you know, a lot of times you've, farming is hard work and yeah. it's one of those things where it's feast or famine and you have a really good year or you have a really bad year and the really bad years are really bad and the thing about farming though when you have cows and animals and you're growing your own produce is at least you don't have to worry about where your meal next meal is coming from you yeah. might have to be concerned about uh your electricity and your water bill you know, yeah. so farming is not a profession that you get into because it it's great money. It's literally because you love it. And when farming is like having kids, you know, it's awful, 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 horrible, miserable. Why am I doing this? And then it's amazing. And those times where it's so amazing makes up for all the rest. Okay. Is it? Is it getting harder and harder to run? It a is. Farm it is. With like Monto and Tyson chicken and everything? Um, yeah, because a lot of those places are owned by uh, places overseas. Um, yeah. Dairies, I think dairies have it the hardest, honestly. We do beef cattle, you know. And in America, I mean, let's be honest, there's always going to be a market for beef cattle, even if it's bad. Yeah. Um, but dairy has the worst, hardest. I know that during there was a period um, of time last year where you saw dairy farmers dumping out um, truckloads of milk, just dumping milk. And it came down to people like, oh, don't waste the milk. It would actually cost that dairy farmer more to pay to have that milk sh uh, shipped than to sell it man that's that's crazy it's worth worth more on the ground than it is going down the road that's crazy dairy and it, dairy farming is is probably the hardest of the farming left i think as far as animals are going so i mean what where are we getting most of our milk from other countries it's just all like a like, who even owns milk? You never really see, you know, I'll see, like, Altadena on on a label every once in a while. But, like, what is the big milk company in America? Um, each, each state kind of has their own. Um, but if you go okay. to the grocery store and you see Cache Valley Cheese, that's here. That's Utah. Okay. Um, but if you go north towards, like, you know, you go towards Logan in the Idaho border, you see... You see a lot of dairy cows and a lot of dairy farms. And you pick out the dairy cows because they're generally the black and white spotted ones. Those are Holsteins. I got that. And then I can't remember what they're called, but they look like an Oreo. <laughs> the head and the bottom of the cow are black, but they have like a white circle around their middle. Okay. That's a dairy cow. And then, of course, there's the Jersey cows in there, that buckskin color cow. But um, there's a lot of dairy cows up towards the northern part of the state, Logan and the Idaho border. But um, it's just dairy. Dairy is hard. Um, the government does have I only know a little bit, but the government does have like they have to pay them a minimum. 
they have to have a minimum of to to sell the milk. Whatever, if the milk, um, honestly, for dairy farmers to actually make money, to really make money, milk would need to be about $7 a gallon. Yeah. Man, that's like, that's a huge subsidy then. Yeah. So they're. I mean, that that's over half. Right. And a huge part of it is because um, milk, you, I don't know, there's a lot of diet fads and almond milk and this and that and milk's not good for you and milk, milk, you know, that's, that's hurt the dairy industry. Um, The price of, you know, diesel hurts all farming industry because all of the, um, Dairy farming is not just you have cows and they make milk. Dairy farming is you have to grow your own feed or buy your feed. Yeah. And so they've got, you know, acres and acres and acres of pasture, but they've got acres and acres and acres of ground that they have to farm. So they have hay for the winter. And this can't just be whatever hay. This has to be like prime dairy hay. And that's something that like part of what we do is um, your hay has to test a certain protein and has to have a certain um, feed value to it. So there's dairy feed and then there's horse hay and then there's just what they call feeder hay. So we were talking about beef cows. They can just eat whatever. They can eat junk. I mean, you don't really want them to eat them junk, but they can eat junk and be fine because you supplement with grains. Okay. But, but dairy cows, they eat a little bit of corn and do corn, but a lot of it's, it's grass hay and prime protein hay. And, and so that's farming is, farming is hard. And that's why we ended up getting into this corn maze business because we needed a link between, you know, getting us from one part of the season to the spring that, that winter time, that's when it gets rough. And between yeah. that and having like a retirement plan, you know, that's, uh, that's basically how that started. There's actually another corn maze that's 30 or 40 miles to the west of us. And they've been around for 20 years. They were super bad at us. <laughs> they were really mad yeah. at us <laughs> when we... Well, 30 to 40 miles is still pretty far. It is. It is. But they were pulling people from Vernal all the way there. And now we're like half the distance. And um, so we, we took some of their business. And they're a great family. And they're good people. <laughs> and they, they ranch and farm too. Um, but they're, they were pretty mad at us. <laughs> but Well, it's kind of the system pushing you guys all to all to do this anyway right i mean it's just like i mean not just farming just a a lot of industry is sort of going away you know getting getting worse less uh less profitable absolutely the the oil field situation this is an oil field area there's a lot of oil field stuff that goes on here um so the town or the city is it, it, it's struggling because the oil field is starting to bottom out again. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, well, we, the Joe Biden's trying to get rid of all the fossil fuels and everything. Right. And what he, uh, he doesn't understand is those fossil fuels are what transport everything across the country. These trucks run on diesel. Every piece of farm equipment uh, out there runs on diesel we can't we can't feed our country without diesel fuel yeah i mean i i don't understand well it's just like the pipeline that got shut down it's like how much you know it's got a the pipeline has a negative impact but like what's the opposite of that you got trucks driving doing probably more of a negative impact i just well Everything. Pipelines aren't that big. <laughs> like it's not it's not taking up that much of nature, you know? I mean, we got a lot of it buried. 
stuff will grow back. And there's going to be a couple little leaks, but I don't know. What's the worst of two evils? It's got to be done either way. Well, here's the thing. When the when the oil field starts to die, it's not just the oil field. It's everybody that works on the rig. It's everybody that mechanics on the rigs. It's the truck drivers that drive the water trucks out to the rigs. It's um, yeah. all the people that do the cranes, the businesses that run the cranes that put up the rigs. It's, I mean, if you look, if you took out all of just the rigs, you would see thousands of businesses go under because of all of the behind the scenes stuff that they do just to keep the rigs operating. I mean, well, even like your corn exactly. maze or the whole town of Vernal. I mean, that's like, that's a lot of, you said 30,000 people. That's one, one town of oil. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's not, not something we can just, stop altogether it's something you might want to slowly transition away from but job opportunities need to present themselves before we can just stop yeah there's there's some great ideas but not all the ideas are really thought out you know if you think about if you're in traffic and everybody's sitting there and you think if everybody just pushed on the gas at exactly the same time we could all move right yeah, but or if they'd stop checking their Facebook notifications, <laughs> right? The red light it might help a little. But it, it's kind of just that thing. If we all did this, if if everybody just did this, everything would be fine. But it's not because there are so many things that we create, that we build, that we use in our daily life that are made from the byproduct of this product that we're pulling out of the ground. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's just it's it's one of those things. And then you, what's happening out here is we're starting to, because more people, more companies, are having people work for from home from COVID, and they're learning that they can save money on facilities by doing that. Um, the housing market actually in Vernal, you would think, is going to crap because people are losing their homes. Not. We actually have a pretty big influx of people from California because you can buy a house here for $120,000 that you would spend $300,000 in California on. And so we're actually getting a huge influx of people because they can work from anywhere in the country. Yeah, well, us Californians have been flooding into all these all these states since uh, the recession, because that, I mean, I've known a lot of people that were here during the recession, and it does not seem like that happened, or that was as anywhere close to as bad as it was in Southern California. No, it wasn't. I mean, it was bad for a lot of people, but it we didn't tank. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we tanked. There was a lot of people that moved. I mean, it hit us in about 07. Yeah. I know they hit 08, 09, but I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. A lot of people moved out. I moved out when they had the drought. I had a landscape company, so we were able to sell, come to Utah. But now with this COVID stuff, even more people are moving out of California. It, uh, yeah, we'll see. See what happens. It's a pretty weird time right now. It's it's definitely interesting it's to see how things are are going. But where I can see is, um, you know, you walk into the grocery store. There's maybe a third of the people in the building wearing a mask. You know, yeah. um, there's there's not a lot of traffic. You kind of we're kind of in a good place because there's enough people. We you know we have a Walmart and a McDonald's and we have everything. What we really like out here is a Costco. Please get us a Costco and an op olive garden that would be great that i'd never have to leave the basin again but um you know we're we're a decent sized little city and we're good and we're city enough to be a city but we're small enough that we're still a town and um there's a really good community effort that goes on here 
and I really like that and I enjoy that and it's beautiful out here. I really enjoy it. And to come down out of Parley's and just the air, you just smell the air and it's awful. And when you're here, you know, you can see all the, you can see all the stars and you can see, you know, so I don't know. We have a pretty good little business going and we like it. And, but I can tell you this, we also farm sweet corn. We supply um, most of the sweet corn to a lot of the stores and we do the farmer's market and locally. Uh-huh. But between sweet corn and corn maize, I'm over corn by November 1st. I don't want to see it. I don't <laughs> want to pick it. I don't want to walk through it. I am over corn. Yeah. Well, where can everybody check you guys um, out? So it's lapointcornmaze.com or uh, okay. lapointcornmaze uh, on Facebook. And then what, uh, one more time, when do you guys open for the corn? Um, it's going to be about mid-September. Um, okay. Is, so I haven't looked at a calendar for a minute this year, but it's generally about middle of September um, through the end of October. And it's every weekend, even Sundays. Um, and we'll have our calendar up and posted. We have no idea. Well, we have some ideas, but we have to have it locked in. I think by the end of next month on what we want our shape to be this year. So. Okay. Well, thanks for coming and talking. Um, no, that was like super interesting. I've always wanted to know how they shape the stuff. And I mean, I'm a huge Halloween fan myself. <laughs> so. No, definitely, definitely fun. It's definitely, it's funny because the um, amount of people that come at the end of September, it's usually a little warmer and, and whatnot, but it gets nuts. It hits October 1st. It's nuts. But I guarantee you once Halloween is over, people are radared on Christmas already. They'll be like corn maze. Yeah. What corn maze? Now Walmart, Walmart had their entire Christmas stock set up the day after Halloween. This oh, year. for sure. <laughs> but, all the Halloween stuff was, you know, in the clearance section and the whole store was decked out. It gets closer and closer every year. It's crazy. Well, they let us know what holiday we're supposed to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I had a lot of fun. Sure. So, um, I don't know. Email me your mailing address and I'll see if I can round up some seeds for you. That would be super cool. You're Thank welcome. you. All right. And have a good night. Bye. Bye.